It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on the biblical truth and defend their faith. Now here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm Mike Riddle, your host, and we have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, or CTI for short. And you can find us on the website at creationtraining.org. That's all one word, creationtraining.org. And we talk about things such as how should Christians learn how to defend their faith, how to have answers for the hope that we have. And it's a, that is a biblical command that we are told to have ready answers always for what we believe. Well, today we have a, another special day here. I have a, a guest with us today on Defending the Faith, Heinz Leclama. Uh, Heinz, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Good could you here. tell us, uh, now, now I have a question for you. I want to start off with a real quick question. Can a real scientist believe in a literal six-day creation? Uh, yes. The simple answer is yes. Yes. And you know that for sure, because what is your background in education? Uh, well, my education is uh, two different areas. One is in engineering, engineering physics, and uh, I have a degree in that, a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I moved into nuclear physics as an experimental physicist. And uh, I, I have my uh, doctorate in nuclear physics. Both of these are from McMaster University in Canada. So, PhD in nuclear physics. So, if somebody doesn't like you, you can go plant a bomb and blow up their house, can't you? Well, I'd never do yeah, that. No, we wouldn't do <laughs> things like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you've, that's quite a background credential there. And I understand you know a little bit about computer technology also. Yes. Actually, after my career, or, or sorry, after my education in Canada, uh, we moved to the States, to New Jersey, and I was fortunate enough to get a job with uh, Bell Telephone Laboratories, uh, which is the premier research organization in the U.S. And uh, I started out at the, in the days mm. of uh, digital switching, when it was just coming new. And uh, you may have heard of the Unix operating system. That was also started the same year I started Bell Labs. So I was very fortunate to be in the foreground of Unix, of uh, TCP IP, the communication protocols, and just the whole start of the high-tech industry. So you were really instrumental in helping set up some of the worldwide standards and even what we do on the internet today. Uh, I was. And Not my, like other people who have claimed that in the past. Right. <laughs> Correct. So you were really there, and I've seen some of the books with your picture in the books with these people who did start up the Unix operating system, which runs our internet, and the protocols that run the internet. So you were actually there. Yes. And you're... So this is uh, real stuff we're talking about. So you got a PhD in physics, you've got a, uh, you're instrumental in setting up worldwide standards for computer technology today. And how about you have a, even have a little bit of athletics in your background too? Uh, yes, I was also athletic in school. I, I was um, a member of the uh, wrestling team in the high school for two years. And uh, I managed to get uh, um, a second in uh, wrestling in high school in the province of Ontario. Excellent. And uh, so you're, and, you, go ahead. And, and then after that in university, I took up uh, judo because they didn't have wrestling. And after a few years, I managed to take the uh, uh, lightweight judo championship at, uh, at uh, Ontario and Quebec, the two largest provinces in uh, 
uh, Canada. And you had a black belt in that? I had a brown belt. Brown belt. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. So you got quite a background. Now, were you a Christian when all this was going on? Uh, yes, I was. I, I grew up in a very strong Christian family. Um, my folks were, uh, uh, you know, in Holland. We, we, um, I was born in Holland myself during the Second World War, and uh, I grew up in a very strong Christian family. Uh, my parents actually hid a Jew in the attic of their home during the war, Second World War, in the house that I was born in. And so we know that culture very well. And then after the war, since the devastation in Europe, my parents decided to immigrate to Canada. So uh, they got on the boat. I decided I, I was five years old at the time. I figured, well, I might as well get on that boat too. And so here we were in Canada, and that's where I grew up. That's where I met my wife, uh, Gerda, and uh, that's where I got my education. Okay. Now, you're a Christian. How about the issue of creation evolution? Where did you stand on that when you were getting your degree and uh, PhD in physics? Yeah, back when I started university, it, it wasn't a big issue then. However, the first geology class I had from the geology professor, he said, uh, don't believe what you read in the Bible. Here's how it really works. Here's the layers, and here's what they mean. And so I was challenged in my faith immediately the first year in college. Now, are you believe in a six-day creation now, don't you? I do. So that there's uh, we can be a real scientist and believe in the six-day creation, and there's really no conflict between the two, is there? No. If you look at uh, creation versus evolution and you look at the science behind that, you will see that science supports creation much better than evolution. Right. And, and there's all these pastors out there and people out there that think God must have used evolution in billions of years, but that's not true, is it? That's not true. From a science point of view, we can show that that's not doesn't work. Right, because here's the problem: we've got too many people out there in these churches and pastors who thinking that that billions of years have been proven, and yeah. they've never studied it for themselves. Uh, that's correct. They're going by what we call consensus theology is what they're teaching. What the most people believe, they tend to teach, and they're not asking the right questions, are they? They, they are not. <laughs> but now, Heinz, you also you live in the state of Washington. I do. And uh, you uh, do a lot of apologetics. Matter of fact, tell us about the ministry you're involved in now. Well, uh, two two different uh, things. As I um, um, participated in my career, which was in the high tech industry for 40 years, in the last 20 years, I actually had uh, my own consultancy, and so I could determine how much time I spend, you know, working on contracts for different clients as opposed to doing uh, lectures on creation versus evolution and related apologetics topics. And, and so uh, we have five children, and as they were growing up, going through their teenage years, we saw some of the issues that they had to deal with. And, and so um, at that point, I decided I need to get very involved in how we explain this, not just to our children, but to you know, youth of their age group, all teenagers at the time. And so... Um, just to back up a, a bit, our oldest daughter actually went to public school first when we moved to New Jersey. And a few years into that, the third grade, I think it was, she was uh, told by the teacher that we came from apes, from an ape. And I said, oh, uh, we got to do something about this. And so that's how I got my start in apologetics. We pulled her out of public school, put her into a Christian school, I started the issues to do with creation versus evolution, and eventually I developed a set of lectures that I, I gave to the youth 
to train them into how to defend, you know, science, defend the Bible and the science behind it. And you did say that right, how to defend true science, because our youth are not getting true science when it comes to origins, are they? Uh, They are not. They're not asking the right questions or they're not being told the answers to some of the hard questions that they have. And, and I've heard that you do talks and such things as a Darwinian, Darwinian pseudoscience. Uh, I do. And, and uh, of course, that is uh, later in my career. Uh, at the time, w- when our daughter had these questions from the teacher and I got more involved, um, we also got involved in teaching our kids through the youth program in the small church that we were going to because we could see that they weren't getting the answers that they needed in the church there. And, and we need more parents to do what you did, get involved with their children's education because they're getting slaughtered out there with this pseudo-evolutionary science. Yeah, uh, that is true. And, and most uh, because they don't know. They yes. just don't know. And they're, they're in all sorts of areas. And you do talks on just this, these areas right here to give the true science, things we actually know for sure that we can observe or repeatable and things we don't know. That's correct. Yeah. And um, one of those talks is, um, uh, I like is the you do talks on origin of life and something fabulous called information. We're in the information age today, but not many people understand what information really is, do they? That's correct. And and just to give you a little bit of background on that, uh, uh, I think some of the challenges that we have is to explain the origins of the universe, origins of uh, first life, origins of complex life. Those three hurdles that evolution cannot answer properly. And I, uh, I've seen that over and over again, and some of our uh, teachers are just saying, well, let's not answer. <clears throat> we don't want to dwell on those kind of questions here. Folks, if you're not willing to dwell on those kind of questions, then maybe you're in the wrong business as an educator. And uh, for instance, we're in just a moment, we're gonna, I want to dwell onto that origin of life and information one. That's, that's a favorite topic of mine. And, and with your background, you've got a lot of knowledge. Now, I'd like to stop. Now, Heinz, you travel all over doing talks on this information, don't you? At, at this point, I do. Yeah. Uh, after I finished my um, uh, career in high-tech industry, I actually gradually uh, cut down on the number of uh, projects that I did. I got more involved in, in uh, teaching apologetics. And the apologetics that I teach uh, highlights creation versus evolution. That's the big part of it. But there's a second part. And, and that is general Christian apologetics. How to do? Uh, how do we defend our faith in general? And of course, this goes back to First Peter three fifteen and uh, uh, Jude Jude three, where we are to you know defend the faith. Yeah, and again, uh, for those of you listening out there, apologetics doesn't mean we go out there and apologize for what we believe. It comes from the Greek apologia, means we have a verbal defense. We can actually tell people why we believe the Bible. You know, I find a lot of Christians can't do that. That's correct. And and uh, just as an example, um, I did a uh, debate with an atheist back in um, uh, 2013, and uh, I, I explained why I believe what I believe, because I can defend uh, what I believe, and so I asked the atheist, um, you know, so so what is the basis of your belief? Why do you believe what you believe, and why do you think that's true? Give me some evidence of that. And he can't answer that. No, they really can't. And uh, here's the, here's another problem I see: the Christians 
seem to be always on the defense. The, most Christians don't even know the right questions to ask, let alone answer the challenges. Yeah. And that's why you're doing what you're doing out there, preparing Christians, preparing the parents so that they can raise their children to be able to stand firm on God's Word. Correct. And, and just as part of that, um, since I had more time available uh, uh, for the last 15 years, say, uh, I got involved in doing lectures overseas and largely to Bible schools in Eastern Europe, uh, some in, in Thailand, and uh, also in, in one case in uh, Africa, Cameroon. So uh, I've given a lot of lectures on different apologetics topics in those three areas. And uh, it, I, I teach complete courses at different Bible schools uh, you know, in Eastern Europe in particular, um, and, and and so out of that grew a whole bunch, a series of lectures that I have and sermons that I have that I give locally as well now. Now, here's a question: Are they more open to this subject in foreign countries than what we find over here in America? They, they are, in fact, in Europe, they're very open to that. They they can't understand since most of the uh, university students in Eastern Europe grew up under communism and they were told evolution is a fact and it's just true just believe it they can't understand there's such a thing as a christian who also believes in creation so they're willing to listen to you over there. they are willing to listen isn't that a shame that here we are in our country how intolerant we are in this country how intolerant many of our churches are they don't want to hear this message their mind is made up that god used evolution yeah and we've become a very intolerant nation over here. We don't want to hear anything if it doesn't agree with what we believe. Uh, correct. And, and as one example, I think, Mike, you know this as well, that uh, in China, the, the scientists would say, well, here in China, we can question evolution, but we can't question our government. In the U.S., it's just the reverse. You know, we, we can question the government, but we can't question evolution. Yes, there seems to be a real stronghold delusion over our country and over many of our unfortunate Christian university professors. They've been deluded, and they're bowing down and worshiping the idol of evolutionism yeah. or parts of it. And, and as one example, I gave a lecture in Bulgaria at a secular university on why evolution is not good science, and I gave four reasons for that. And uh, it turns out there was a retired biology prof uh, teacher in the audience who taught high school, and he taught during the communist era everything about evolution because he considered that a fact. And then when he heard me, he said uh, uh, to, to, to my host there, you know, I'm sorry I taught my students that evolution is a fact. Now I understand it's not. And that's why it's so imperative for us to get into the churches so the people there can hear the truth. And just to add to that, so he asked me, if you come back to Bulgaria, can you now give that same uh, lecture to my students who are now teachers in high school? I said, yes, I'd be happy to do that. And so I did that a few years later and, and spoke at two different uh, audiences, two different high schools, and this... I didn't bring the Bible into it uh, because, you know, it's a very secular world there. Uh, so I explained why I don't believe in evolution as good science. They immediately uh, got the message and said, so what do you believe in? And that, of course, opens up the opportunity to share what I do believe in There's, creation. You are practicing what I call the principle of 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. 
to bring down all strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And once you've done that, then I say you go for the juggler. You give them the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's you're limited to what you can do, but they got the message. Great. And again, this is uh, Defending the Faith. I'm Mike Riddle, your host. And you can get a hold of us, our ministry, by going to our website, creationtraining.org, creationtraining.org. Or you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. That's how you can get a hold of us. Now, Heinz, I'm Again, we're talking, our guest is Heinz Leclama. He's got his Ph.D. in experimental nuclear physics and uh, also uh, computer technology and also a pretty good athlete there. Uh, how could they get a hold of you? T- give us your website. And if somebody wanted you to come and speak at their church or their organization, how could they do that? Yeah. Well, I maintain two different websites. One is my name, HeinzLeclama.com, um, where all the contact information is, and it I also store all of the lectures that I have done in the past and I'm working on on my website. All the PowerPoint slides are there. People are free to download them. And, of course, my contact information is there as well. So you're not in this for the money, are you? I'm not in this for the money, no. <laughs> no, we, we, we try and give away as much as we can for free. Now, uh, you run a, an apologetics group. Well, give us what, what is the name of this apologetics group and how, what do you do in there? Yeah. Okay, the apologetics forum that we formed in uh, 2013, this, this is one that we started in our area. I, we live in Arlington, uh, Washington, and so I've got, got in contact with a number of churches there and started this forum to give the reasons for what we believe. And uh, it's, it's apologeticsforum, all one word, dot org is where that website is. So I maintain both of those websites and in, increase the information on both of them. Right. And you bring speakers in occasionally to uh, do the lectures, and yes. you do a lot of the lectures yourself. Uh, actually, for the forum, we bring in uh, different lectures. I, I speak at the forum probably once a year because I want the opportunity for people to listen to different speakers in the apologetics area. Well, excellent, and I've uh, had the privilege of being one of those speakers, and uh, it's a well-run uh, ministry you have there, and I appreciate that, and very professionally done. And again, uh, give us uh, your the, how they can contact you via email or website again. Just make sure everybody's got that. Yeah. Well, Apologetics uh, Forum, you can reach me through uh, info, I-N-F-O, at apologeticsforum.org. And um, in, in the um, my personal website, heinzleklama.org, uh, com, you can reach me at uh, Heinz at O uh, as an open, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, A as in Apple, dot com. And that stands for Open Systems Technology Associates, which is the consultancy that I ran for 20 years. Okay. And uh, now I would like to get to this topic here that we want to cover, uh, information and life, the origin of life. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, is, is that a important issue in this creation-evolution battle. It is, and, and I take it as one of the most important uh, issues because it's so easy to uh, demonstrate that the information in life is crucial to the message that we have because uh, uh, every concept, everything that you can see in nature, it can be explained by one of three concepts. Either it happened by chance, you know, just random chance, 
uh, or it happened because there's some natural law which would force it to happen that way. Law of gravity, for example, we, we know that always it's always worked. You stepped uh, off a, a um, table or something like that, you're going down, not up. That's a law of nature. And then the third is design. In other words, if something didn't happen because of random uh, chance or it's, it must happen because of some law, then it has to be designed. Now, when we get to life, isn't it possible, and, and we, this is what they teach in the schools, that about three and a half billion years ago, chemicals bonded together to make first living cell. Is that possible by random chance? It is not, uh, and here's why. For, first of all, uh, we don't know. Scientists don't know what the environment was like. We can guess at it. We can assume certain gases were there. But if we're wrong, then, of course, whatever conclusions we come to are also wrong. And it's been shown that there is no way for life to start from non-life um, by chance. The, the odds, the complexity of life is so great that uh, mathematically it's impossible to happen by chance. The second thing is experimentally. I mean, scientists have run experiments uh, to show that life cannot start from non-life. Best demonstrated by Louis Pasteur in 1860s, uh, 1864 was the definitive experiment that he ran, and he showed that life just cannot start from non-life. And, of course, that was the same time at which Darwin was coming up was his theory, and he wrote The Origin of uh, a Species in uh, 1859. So he knew at that point that science could show that life cannot start randomly. Yes, and, and in that book, The Origin of Species, I always like to make sure everybody hears the full name of that book. The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection and the Preservation of the Favored Races. races. What does that tell you about Charles Darwin out there, folks, who everybody's worshiping? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's many problems with the book. But I do have to say for Charles Darwin that at least I considered him a fairly honest scientist at the age that he wrote that book and the time that he wrote that book. We didn't know, or the scientists back then didn't know a lot about what was in the human body, what was in life. And, and so he made some guesses, uh, which turned out not to be true. But he wrote, he had a whole chapter in the book which says, if these things can be shown not to be true, then my theory uh, can't be a fact. And they pretty much shown those things are not true. That's true. Yes, that's just one of them, which he never really addressed, was the origin of life. He never really got into that very much at all, because they didn't understand what the cell was back then. Uh, right. He, he thought it was a, a blob. You know, the cells were just blobs that somehow just grew. And, and so he took a wild assumption that there was and didn't understand the complexity in there. And that, that's right. the whole theory was based on that, the origin of that first cell. Yeah, that's correct. But he, he didn't address it in his book, but he did refer to a primordial soup at yeah. some point. There could be some warm pond there that life started, uh, but he didn't know how. And we've shown today uh, over and over again that if you put some kind of soup together, you're not going to get a cell. You're not even going to get a biological protein. That's right. That's so, right. So we've consistently shown that Darwin was wrong. That's correct. And we've consistently shown from there on that evolutionary science, or pseudoscience, whatever you want to call it, can't be true either because they can't get the first cell. Without the first cell, 
there's nothing for Darwin to base anything that, on. That, that's correct. So and, and, and when I speak on that topic, I, I often say things like, the only difference between life and non-life is one thing, that's information. Right. It's, you can get all the right pieces together, but it's not going to live, is it? Uh, that's right. <coughs> it, it requires information, and information I consider is um, you know, data, uh, but also it involves a program. There has yes. to be a program in there. It's like the uh, software operating system of a machine, but thousands and millions of times more complex than an operating system. Correct. And uh, you know, people look at the DNA, which is where the information is stored in a very special language, and uh, it, it, they can see it. Yeah, it looks simple, but it's really complex. There's a lot built into that. And then the DNA also includes programs to run on that data. Yeah. It's kind of like handing somebody a book and saying, do you believe the, the words in this book came together by random chance? If they can't believe that, then how would they possibly believe a cell which is millions of times more complex, could come together by random chance. Yeah. And, and in, in the, the talks that I do on this uh, particular topic, life and origin, I show the, uh, the comparison, the analogy between um, information, you know, in our grammar, you know, would our, our words are built on an alphabet of 26 uh, characters and numbers and all that, and, and, but there is a structure there that we understand as human beings. The structure in DNA you know, is much, much more complicated than that. And, uh, it, and then computers also, people associate with information. Computers store information. But uh, one of the common things about all this information, there's no weight to the information. Whether there's zeros on the disk or ones on the disk, it doesn't matter. It's still always the same. No, information has no mass, which means it's not material, that undermines the whole idea of materialism, doesn't it? That's correct. Yeah. So right there you have it. Uh, we know that non-material things do exist. Yeah. And, and naturalists, of course, won't uh, uh, accept that. No, if they don't accept it, then they're not accepting information. They're not accepting the laws of logic because they're non-material. So it's the atheist who are denying observable science. Now, Heinz, uh, this has been great. Uh, we're going to have to have you on again sometime because uh, I want to dig deeper into your, into your three pounds, your brain up there, because you've got a wealth of storage and information. Now, how can they get a hold of you again? Okay, on my personal website, which is HeinzLeclama.com. How do you spell that, Heinz? Uh, Heinz, uh, like the ketchup bottle, H-E-I-N-Z, Leclama, L-Y-C-K-L-A-M-A, all one word, dot com. That's my personal website. I store all my lectures there, and contact information is available there. Great, great. Again, this is Mike Riddle, and we're on Defending the Faith. And our radio ministry, if you like the information we're giving out over here, you might consider supporting us. We're totally donor-supported on this radio show, and we do need your support. And if you'd like to help support this ministry, you can send your donations to uh, um, info, our, our, our mailing box, uh, post office box 2415. That's uh, in Eagle, Idaho, 83616. So it's uh, CTI, Post Office Box 8415, 2415. I better get that right, 2415. That's in Eagle, Idaho. Or you can just email us. That might make it easier. Just email us at info, I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. Info at creationtraining.org. And let us know that uh, 
that you like what you're hearing, or if you have any comments or questions you'd like to challenge us with, we'd like to hear those also. Send your challenges and questions, or just good comments if you like what we're doing, to info. That's info at creationtraining.org. Our website is creationtraining.org. Just www.creationtraining.org. We have lots of free information out there. We have many videos, uh, over 80 videos you can view out there that are about 30 minutes long, all free. All our PowerPoint slides are for free download out there. We have some audios out there you can download for free. So again, um, we we need your support. If you'd like to keep radio ministries like this going, um, we'd like to have your little support. Every little bit helps. Again, send your emails to info, I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, any final things you'd like to say there, Heinz? Um, and again, we're talking to Heinz Leclama, Ph.D. in experimental nuclear physics, so real scientist can believe in a six-day creation. That's correct. And uh, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, I, I have a passion for apologetics. I feel it's a message that the uh, churches need to hear. You know, we are losing a large percentage of our youth because we are not getting some of those questions that they have answered. And we have to uh, understand that if they don't get the answers from the church, they're going to get their answers someplace else. And we may not like the answers that they get from someplace else, like our universities, secular universities certainly, but even some Christian universities who are on some slippery uh, slope like theistic evolution. That just doesn't uh, cut it in my view. And I'll be very bold there, like Wheaton University, who have uh, gone over to the deep side there teaching uh, evolution and theistic evolution. Uh, correct. And, and I've spoken to many parents uh, after my lectures who said, uh, I wish I knew some of this beforehand because I lost my child sending him to some um, Christian university who I thought would maintain their faith, but they were on that slip- slippery slope uh, through theistic evolution. Well, thank you again, uh, Dr. Heinz, and, uh, for being here, and uh, hope to have you back soon. And thank you, and God bless all of you. This is Mike Riddle from Defending the Faith. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 94.1 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.